From the studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And welcome back once more to the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first time, well, you're in for a bit of a ride. A ride involving some cannabis for the next 30 or 40 minutes or so. I appear to have a bit of a passion for the plant. And if you do too, well, that could be the reason you're here. In episode 72, we are going to report on another big move in the cannabis industry. In fact, it just happened today. And that may have been sparked by those little Redican Reddies, those 10 packs of pinners. Interesting story on that company today. A story on actions taken over non-compliant promotions. How absolutely ridiculous the stigma still is about cannabis and how we can't really say it's cannabis when we promote it. We'll look at some industry concerns over the proposed vape flavor restrictions, and bluntly speaking, a stop on Cultivar Corner for Black Market's Candy Rain Blunt. That's BLNT. That and more on episode 72 of the Cannabis Podcast. And this is a story literally hot off the presses. It just happens today, the day I'm recording this episode of the Cannabis Podcast. And this is a story from globalnewswire.com. Hexocorp announces acquisition of Redican to create Canadian market leader in adult use sales. Yes, you heard right. Hexo Corporation is pleased to announce it has entered into a definitive share purchase agreement to acquire all of the outstanding shares of the entities that carry on the business of Redican, Canada's largest privately owned licensed producer. With leading market share across a number of categories, the purchase price? $925 million dollars payable in cash and through the issuance of common shares of Hexco and subject to certain customary adjustments. The transaction highlights are the brand leader Redican's product mix and leading market share position across a number of key product categories will complement Hexco's already large suite of sought-after brands across several products and price points. The robust product portfolio. Following the transaction, Hexo will be a Canadian volume leader in dried flour across premium, mainstream, and value price points. The company will also be the industry leader for cannabis-infused beverages through Trust Beverages. While Redican's differentiated product portfolio includes top-selling oils and capsules and market leadership in the pre-roll category. And as a bit of a sidebar, that's what I referred to in the opening of the episode, that it was a bit of their experience and success with those Redican Reddies that I think got Hexel listening and, and thinking about it. Product Innovation the newly combined know-how further enables the development of higher potency and more consistent products in key categories. Accelerated path towards positive EPS. Redican has proven itself capable of consistently delivering significant EBITDA. E- I've always hated that word. E-B-I-T-D-A. EBITDA. I think it's EBITDA, yeah. EBITDA, which is a financial term. And clearly, if I'm saying EBITDA in an episode of the Cannabis Podcast, I'm diving f- too far into the details. <laughs> Hexo Corporation is an award-winning consumer packaged goods cannabis company that creates and distributes innovative products to serve the global cannabis market. The company serves the Canadian adult use markets under its Hexo Cannabis, Up Cannabis, and Original Stash brands, and the medical market under Hexo Medical Cannabis. Redican is a Canadian cannabis company co-founded by Peter Montour, Will Montour, and Richard Redicop. With over 30 years in agriculture, Redican's tools are fresh water and sunshine, farming the way it has been done for hundreds of years. 
The company's proprietary growing methods are one of a kind and are continually refined through the use of advanced technologies. Redican, where the best things in life are green. Now that's a line I can get behind. So that's the news of the day. Hexo buying Redican for $925 million. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. This is the Cannabis Podcast. Well, since cannabis was legalized in 2018, Health Canada has taken 225 actions due to non-compliance with promotions prohibitions, plus 33 voluntary product recalls. The regulators also conducted those 23 product seizures, issued nine warning letters, and issued 21 non-compliant inspection ratings, and suspended five licenses and revoked three licenses since the Cannabis Act and its regulations came into force on October 17, 2018. 17 of those voluntary recalls have been since April 1st of 2020. 15 of these recalls have been listed publicly. Health Canada also undertook 67 compliance promotion emails or calls, conducted two seizures, issued two warning letters, and issued 12 non-compliant inspection ratings in the same time frame. The federal cannabis regulator has also conducted 225 actions due to non-compliance with promotions prohibitions since October of 2018 with license holders, retailers, and other regulated parties. Those were in response to issues brought to its attention via consumer, industry, or other stakeholder complaints. These 225 actions included 160 compliance promotion emails or calls, 55 compliance emails or letters, and 10 warning letters. A representative for Health Canada says these actions have been for a range of non-compliances from unauthorized promotion to promotions being accessible to young persons and inducements. Given the increasingly large number of federal licensed cannabis businesses, such as cultivators, processors, and analytical labs, Health Canada says they take a risk-based approach to compliance and enforcement activities, which includes responding to complaints received as well as conducting inspections. Inspections can be on-site, virtual, or a mixture of both. Health Canada has moved primarily to virtual inspections since early 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The federal regulator also collected 138 cannabis samples in 2020 to verify chemical, including cannabinoid, microbial, and pesticide results. Of the 138 samples collected, 109 samples have been tested and confirmed to be acceptable, with the remaining 29 samples still pending analysis as of March of this year. Health Canada says they have not mandated any product recalls based on any of the sampling activities undertaken in 2020. There were at least seven public product recalls of cannabis in 2020, six for errors with labeling, and one for a concern with the instability of THC levels in a beverage. And I actually personally saw that error with the labeling issue on a product we recently had in where they got the THC value wrong. In an email to StratCan, a representative for Health Canada says the enforcement of the promotions prohibitions in the Cannabis Act are priority, especially in instances where promotions may appeal to young persons. This can include promotions on celebrity endorsements and sponsorships. Although many licensed producers have found ways to promote and market their products, in one example of enforcement from 2020, New Brunswick-based cannabis producer Organigram says they removed the name Trader Park Boys from a line of cannabis flower the company was selling following consultation with Health Canada. In the case of a potential violation of the Cannabis Act, Health Canada says they work with the implicated parties to encourage compliance by ensuring that they are aware of how they have violated the Cannabis Act 
and providing them with an opportunity to comply with their legal obligations. Health Canada promotes compliance through educational activities and information sharing on legislative and regulatory matters. That includes policies and guidance documents intended to help regulated parties better understand the requirements and their responsibilities. So Health Canada has been busy since legalization occurred October 17th of 2018. Hmm. What do you think of all that effort and, and all of that minutia? I understand stopping promotions that are going towards youth. Totally get that. But there is so much stigma still on promotions in cannabis that we can't really even say what it is. Oh, I so wish that would change. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, I'm kind of doing things that uh, if you have listened to the podcast at all, you might think that I probably wouldn't have done. I bought a rather expensive pre-roll. <laughs> There's where we're going to start. And where we're going to end is by lighting this rather expensive pre-roll and seeing where we go. So this is 15, 16 bucks for a one gram. And what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about something that has made some noise in the market over the last few weeks. I remember the day the first one came into our store. Uh, <laughs> We literally, as soon as they were available for sale, they sold out within about an hour or so, I think. Got some more in, and I decided to give it a try. And this is from the folks at Black Market. Now, Black Market is uh, out of Alberta. Their marketing crew actually works here in the Kelowna area. So we get to see the marketing team quite a bit. And they're doing some pretty remarkable stuff. Of course, they took some heat when they first started out with the brand name of Black Market. And for those who do not know, it is B-L-K-M-K-T. That's what Black Market is, not the Black Market that we used to think of, just for some clarification's sake. And they have been making noise with a lot of the weed that they're putting out. And they decided to make some more noise with this blunt. Now, if we're talking the traditional blunt, you take a cigar, you pull out all the tobacco, stuff it with some cannabis, reseal it, and you got yourself a blunt. Nice, big, stogie full of cannabis. Well, it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> Some, I, I guess, prefer it. Really popular, I have to say. And we're about to find out whether or not it is <laughs> worthy of the money. Now, for my sourcing, as we speak about this today, interestingly enough, I had a, another visit with an old friend of mine, David Wiley, today. And we were chatting about a number of different things. And as I'm going to do, uh, David Wadi, of course, with Okanagan Z, the ounce, the OZ, a number of different identities he has out there, doing some fascinating stuff. And he, again, is heavily into the cannabis world, as I am. We were chatting today, and I thought it was kind of ironic as I pulled this out of the glass. It's a little glass tube that it comes in. Really not much aroma out of the blunt. But as I pulled that out, I got back to thinking about my conversation with David today, and I started searching for some information on the black market candy rain blunt. And that's the strain that this is, by the way. When I looked on the black market site, you'd think you'd be able to find some stuff, right? <laughs> and I've talked about this before. The <laughs> It's not really an irony, but I, I find it a <laughs> kind of humorous that all these 
companies are spending all this money on marketing and building these websites, and, and yet they don't put the details that people are actually trying to find. So I went there trying to find something about Candy Rain Blunt, even perhaps what the strains were on it. No, they didn't have anything. They had something on their other weed, but not on their blunt. So here comes the David Wiley reference that I brought in just a little while ago. The information that I found on this is, in fact, from a review that David did uh, with the OZ on Candy Rain Blunt by Black Market. So that's where some of these details are coming from. I'm not going to duplicate his review because it's me doing it, not him. But I am going to take some of the details that he dug up. So what do we got here? This is a cross, and this is some of the information I am getting from David's article, which, of course, I will post for your perusal on CannabisPodcast.com. This is a strain that crosses gelato and London pound cake. Now, I can't say that I've heard of the strain London pound cake before. I think sometimes they just make this stuff up. <laughs> I, re I really do, honestly. The terpenes that are found in Candy Rain Blunt from Black Market, beta-pinene, caryophylline, humulene, and limonene. And David's last line, it's grown indoors in the Okanagan. Obviously, if it's a blunt, I'm not putting anything into the vaporizer today. This is going to be strictly smoking the blunt, and let's fire it up and see what we get with Candy Rain Blunt from Black Market. Now, in terms of the appearance, and again, I have posted a picture with the Cultivar Corner for this particular episode. Really attractive. It, it has that nice tapered look of how joints are supposed to look there. And that's another question. Where did this tapered stuff start? Back in the day when we were rolling joints, I don't remember anybody I ever smoked dope with who suddenly started rolling these cones. That's another story I realize we'll get to it sometime, perhaps. Get back on track, Gary. Black Market, Candy Rain, Blunt. Now, what are the details on it? As I've already indicated, gelato and London pound cake are the strains. The potency, we're sitting for this one by one gram pre-roll at 18.3% THC. It's a Friday night. Heading into a long weekend, I actually have three days off. I am stoked for a nice good stone to start that weekend off. And let's hope it begins now. Candy Rain Blunt from Black Market. Oh, nice and smooth so far. So David talked about the fact that a nice heft... Beautiful, neat and tidy, burns perfect with a tight gray-white ash. Let's take a peek at that. Yeah, I would probably duplicate David's findings on that. I'm not seeing a whole lot of black. Well, right in the center of that, I suppose. But as that frees up and it burns down a little bit better, so it is burning nice and smooth, burning slow. I'm not picking up a lot of flavor notes. Trying to find some of those sweetness, and but... No, it's not unpleasant. It's a very pleasant taste, but I'm not picking up any particular taste notes. More importantly, is it starting to do something to my endocannabinoid system? I am impressed with how slowly it is burning. That is really nice. And now as I get more of it on the end of it, it is 
very clearly just a white-gray ash on there. Hanging on nicely, not falling off. Give it a little jut down there and slap a little bit more in here. Hmm. Okay, so again, the blunt, and they're spelling it B-L-N-T to give themselves a differentiation from the actual blunt. <laughs> it's one gram of Candy Rain, 18.3% THC hybrid, inside a hemp wrap, rolled in a similar fashion to cigars, but again, I do not remember a cigar being in a tapered fashion. What is it with tapered and, and cannabis joints anyways? <laughs> I'm jumping on a new soapbox which could be an indication as well that I am getting a bit of buzz off this black market candy rain. Anytime my mind starts floating down ideas and paths that I hadn't really intended, for me, that's an indication that I might be getting stoned. <laughs> and so is that as I make that sudden realization. So once more, that ash is nice, nice white and gray. There's no, no blackness to it at all. I had a number of hits of this so far. I got a little of those happy eyes showing up for me. Not deep, but still the happy eyes are there. Always a good sign for me, especially when I'm looking for a real good bang as I'm heading into a weekend, and this is such a day. So overall, I would have to say the taste, very pleasant. It's a nice draw. It's an easy draw. I'm not having to work at hauling on this blunt. And I'm only... <laughs> I've probably only snuck down maybe a maybe a half an inch. Maybe three quarters of an inch from the top of that blunt. Which means that I am quite likely going to put this out and pick it up again a wee bit later when it's time for a resurgence of some euphoria. Yep. I'm definitely getting high. Happy eyes are there, giving me a bit of a buzz, so, and a, and a hint of energy. I'm like, I'm not going to go mow the lawn or anything, but, but I might go do something physical <laughs> to, to a certain degree, anyways. I'm okay, so now let me get back to one of the things that I mentioned when we first started this. That some of the information I'm picking up here is from David Wiley and his review of the Candy Rain Blunt from Black Market. And I'm going to go back to what some of he did, what some of, <laughs> okay, I think I have just validated the fact that I might be a little ripped here. <laughs> That's also a pretty good indication for me when my speech has trouble now connecting with vowels and consonants together. That could be an indication that I'm stoned. I don't even remember where I was going now. <laughs> There was a point that I was going to go back to David's review about, but you know what? I'm not going to worry about it because I think we have satisfied the need to find out whether the black market candy rain blunt at about 15, 16 bucks. Someone got a little cheaper, I suppose, for a one gram blunt filled with gelato and lemon pound cake weed, terpenes of beta pinene, caryophylline, humulene, limonene, and the end result is Gary gone high. Now, we always ask the question, is the high the same kind of high as it would have been if you didn't spend 15 bucks for the one gram? 
<laughs> I do not have the answer to that question. As at this point, that may take a little bit more investigation. <laughs> I've spoken before, uh, and I am I'm not shy about it. I don't believe that pre-rolls are your best cannabis value. So it was a big step for me to spend 16 bucks for this. Am I disappointed? No. Could I have got a better deal for my $16? Probably if I tried a little harder. But I'm happy with black market candy rain blunt nonetheless. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And we're going back to the folks at stratcan.com for another story this episode. This one about the cannabis industry as it prepares for feedback on proposed vape pen flavor restrictions. Health Canada says they expect their consultation on the agency's proposed restrictions on flavors and cannabis extracts for inhalation, including cannabis vaping products, to be open soon. The proposal was first announced this past February and is planned to be posted online in the Canada Gazette 1 by this spring, or no later than June 20th. The feedback process will last 75 days. The plan is part of the federal agency's overall approach to reducing youth access and appeal of vaping products, and will be looking at limiting or restricting the use of flavors and cannabis vape products that can be deemed as appealing to young people. Okay, I'm taking a sidebar here. <laughs> Are cannabis products not restricted by age in every province in this country? As Hasn't that already been handled? So why are we letting the flavors of nicotine affect the cannabis industry still? We got the stupid vape tax here in BC that everybody is paying a price for because of the nicotine flavors. Okay, bit of a rant, sidebar over. The proposed regulatory amendments would align with proposed restrictions on flavors in nicotine vaping products under the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act. I guess I had my vent uh, one paragraph too soon. <laughs> Representatives from the cannabis industry say they are preparing for that feedback process and any potential changes to the regulations and how it will impact their business. George Smitherman, the president and CEO of the Cannabis Council of Canada, an industry organization representing several licensed cannabis producers, says he feels the proposed changes are based more on politics and concerns with flavored nicotine vapes more than cannabis specifically. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. While there's evidence of flavored nicotine vapes leading to some young people taking up nicotine use, Smitherman says he doesn't see a comparison to tobacco vapes. In addition, he says he thinks some of the concern comes from publicized issues in the U.S. relating to black market vapes and additives like vitamin E acetate. This is an area where scientific expertise rather than political science should take precedence, which I do think has contributed to the conflation around constituencies of risk, continues Smitherman. The Canadian cannabis circumstance isn't born of that experience. We got that protected into us. I think it's important to peel those issues back and we'll use the opportunity to appeal to the scientific basis of Health Canada's focus. Tom Yulanowski, the VP of Quality Assurance and Regulatory Affairs at NextLeaf Labs, a licensed cannabis processor operating in BC, says he understands Health Canada's approach to this potential restriction, but says he also hopes they recognize that the legal industry is competing against the illicit sector that has no such restrictions. NextLeaf produces cannabis extract used by many producers as the main ingredient in their vape pens and other extracts, and has been testing out new flavor formulations. 
Ultimately, I do hope that regulators take an evidence-based approach in their decision with regards to safety, but also take into consideration how this would affect the legal market's ability to compete with the illicit market. There is consumer demand for products that contain both cannabis and non-cannabis-derived flavors in products like vapes. One of the big challenges Health Canada will likely face, he explains, is how to ban flavorings when cannabis often contains numerous terpenes, the building blocks of many flavors. Well, Nextleaf is preparing for the impacts of any such flavoring ban would have on their business. He says the big issue will be how Health Canada manages to define flavors in this context. Earlier this year, Nextleaf held human trials on several formulations of vape pens they were researching, including flavors like chocolate mint and blueberry. Chemical formulations for flavors are easy to change, he says, while keeping the same or similar flavors, so banning a specific flavor like cherry will be hard, while banning all terpenes will be equally challenging since many are naturally occurring in Canada. This leaves open another possible option for Health Canada, which would be banning non-cannabis-derived terpenes, which would mean an increased cost for producers and therefore the end users since cannabis-derived terpenes are more expensive. It depends on whether the regulatory change would affect certain flavors or whether all non-cannabis-derived terpenes would be banned, says Yulanowski. The former is harder to enforce since it's difficult to objectively define a flavor without relying on strict chemical definitions. Minor tweaks to the formulations could be interpreted as being entirely new, distinct flavor, and one could argue that the change could bring it into compliance. Banning non-cannabis terpenes altogether would force processors like Nextleaf to use cannabis-derived high-terpene extracts, which would likely lead to increased product cost issues with availability as well as consistency. Alan Rewak has spent many years working in the cannabis industry, including as a board member and executive director with the Cannabis Council of Canada, is now the executive director at Vaping Industry Trade Association, VITA, representing many stakeholders in the nicotine space. He says he agrees that the flavoring ban on vapes will be difficult and will have a potentially negative impact on some nicotine consumers' ability to transition away from smoking using flavored vapes. The definition of flavor itself is problematic because flavors are a combination of natural food ingredients to create or mimic a certain flavor profile, says Rewak. Flavors are a key component of the path of harm reduction for adult smokers who are seeking to reduce their risk associated with the consumption of nicotine, he continues. The restrictions that are alluded to in the forward-looking regulatory statement will have a devastating impact on the legal adult vape industry, which exists to serve adult smokers and we feel does little to address the true cause of youth vaping, which is social sharing amongst young people. Health Canada's stated approach to their proposed flavor ban is coached in terms of the appeal such flavorings have on young people, noting that a public opinion research poll found among youth and young adults who had ever used a vaping product, more than half cited flavor, smell, as a primary reason for trying. Among adults 25 years and older, flavor, smell ranked 30%, closely behind smoking reduction at 36% and reduced harm at 36%. For Smitherman, he says he thinks the ban on such flavorings and vape pens comes from public health officials' concern with their prevalence in nicotine vapes, which he says shouldn't be in the same category as cannabis vape products. And boy, do I ever agree with that statement. It has been a pain in my butt ever since getting into this industry, especially with the vape tax here in BC at 20% instead of the 12% that you would typically pay. Insane. And it is all based on the 
on the fact that the nicotine flavor is so addictive. And I see that in the people who work at the store. It, it, it really, really hurts me to see these people in their early 20s getting addicted to nicotine like we did with cigarettes back in the day. And, and these flavored nicotine products are just fooling them to, to go down that path. And of course, as soon as you get started, nicotine only serves the purpose of wanting, of making you want to have more nicotine. <laughs> and it does that really well. All right. I won't go down that rabbit hole <laughs> and start a whole nother pet peeve. And there you go. So Health Canada is looking at the flavored vapes. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that turns out. From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Oh, Speaking of studios, let's finish with a story. This is another story back from the days of radio, which obviously, if you listen to any of the podcasts, you know that I was in there for a number of years. And this was one of my favorite places. I won't mention the radio station. I won't mention the people by name, just because stigma. I have no idea whether they are, you know, capable or or willing to jump out and and say like I am that I consume cannabis. (laughs) So... They shall be nameless. This particular radio station at the time this story occurred was in a part of a city that it really faced out onto nothing. There was literally no civilization behind this radio station. So had a beautiful patio. It was a nicely laid out station, probably one of the nicest ones I worked at. Nice from the perspective, it was really good for the people. It was well laid out. It was a, it was a people sort of station. Studios were all kind of in a central area and kind of a circle. In the middle, there was a little courtyard. And then out the back, there was this lovely patio that faced out onto this big, huge, empty field where there was nothing on the other end of it. So it was a perfect spot for, you know, company parties and gatherings, which, you know, happened fairly regularly. Pretty common in radio back in those days. Well, I guess probably in industry, any industry back in those days. On a Friday night when everybody's finishing up, you head out to the patio you pull out the beer, you have a few beers and, you know, toast the week. It's funny how those kind of things just don't happen anymore, isn't it? But in the case of that particular radio station, I was really happy that, that the boss was one who he and I got along really well with. We had a, had a good relationship and he had, a, he had a, an open mind and he also consumed cannabis, although perhaps not as openly as I did. <laughs> I resisted doing this for the longest time, but on this one particular occasion, I thought, well, the heck with it. Everybody else is having a beer and a few beers, and, and I would rather smoke a joint to, to get my buzz on. So I'm going to ask. So I walked up to the boss, uh, who was at, at one side of the patio, and I said, do you mind if I pull out a bag and roll a couple of joints? He looked around, realizing again that there was nothing behind this radio station. Nobody was going to be spying on us. And thought about it for a moment and said, yeah, so I did. (laughs) And as soon as I started rolling them, of course, others noticed. And there was soon a little group of cannabis enthusiasts gathered around the picnic table, all imbibing as... I tried to keep up with the demand for joints. And we had a really, really good time. And it was sometime later, that same boss was heading off to a concert in Vancouver with his wife. And I remember getting a call from him uh, late in the afternoon before he was heading out of town. Is there any chance that, 
that we could could get a, a joint or two? <laughs> Do you think I gave him anything? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> so, I really enjoyed that particular party. It was, it was a blast, and it was it was a great experience because it was the first time that I had openly pulled out a, a bag of weed and started rolling joints in a party like that. And now here we are, many, many, many years later, and I could do that and, and not give it a thought. In fact, here's another incident of where stigma still is at play. <laughs> I was sitting on my back deck yesterday morning having a joint, as I am want to do on my back deck when the weather is good. <laughs> there I am. I have the joint to my mouth. And at that instance, a police car drives by our back shed down the alley. What was my initial reaction? My initial reaction was to hide the joint and to run inside. <laughs> it's still there. It's still there, that stigma, that that hit in the back of our brain that says, they're going to bust me for smoking pot. <laughs> but I, I held back and I held my ground. And as they came back down the alley, in fact, I did bring that joint to my to my lips and intentionally had a puff of it as they were driving by. <laughs> but stigma does still exist. If you have any comments about anything that you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, you can contact me at info at CannabisPodcast.com. If there's somebody you think should be interviewed, also, that's a good idea to send me a note about that. And that just about wraps it up. Well, not just about. I guess that's it for episode 72 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.